Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Liverpool. And today's game ended Liverpool 2, Manchester United 0. Uh, it was, we've been talking about in the last couple of episodes, the Liverpool machine. And it's very much that case. The Liverpool machine keeps rolling on, keeps moving on, keeps continuing with the same intensity and consistency that champions are made of. And uh, another fantastic result for us at home against... Um, well, it was the second of a kind of a double header that many pundits and, and maybe, you know, in some fans, including me, were kind of like, if we can see out both the Christmas period and these couple of tough games in January, then, and you know, and still be in the position we're in, we would definitely be in a very, very favourable position um, to go on and, you know, increase our chances of winning the league. I'm not going to say we are going to win the league yet. Um, I know there was some chance in the game and things like that, but for me... Trying to stay grounded uh, game by game, as Klopp always does. Um, and we'll see it by then. But yeah, this was really much... The Tottenham game and this game were the, were the games where, you know, they were a potential curveball for us. Obviously, we dropped points against United earlier this season where we didn't really uh, turn up. And there was a funny interview with Mo Salah actually during the week where he goes, well, the reason we didn't turn up is because I wasn't playing. And uh, I think he definitely had a bit of a point to prove in this game. Um, but yeah, after we were kind of thought, after we got through the Christmas and after we got through Tottenham and Manchester United, if we still had a healthy lead, um, then we'd be in very good position. And obviously with Manchester United and both Leicester actually dropping points this weekend as well, only um, strengthens our uh, supremacy and dominance at the top of the league. And uh, it's looking very, very unlikely now that, you know, even if we do slip up and we do lose a game here or there, that the chasing pack... They won't. I think they've all kind of lost a bit of hope, and you know, even if we do slip up points, I don't think anyone, I don't think any of the teams are playing good enough to capitalise on any major mistakes that we may make. Um, but um, yeah, the game started off, uh, for, I guess, from a Liverpool perspective, exactly how you would like. I think we uh, obviously we were at home, so we kind of came out, set the pace um, as was expected before the game, because kind of the way Ole Gunnar Solskjaer likes to play. Um, United were sitting back and were looking to hit us on the counter attack. Obviously, they were missing Marcus Rashford for this game, who's a big part of that. But uh, obviously, Martial and Daniel James, are, you know, are very quick uh, on the counter attack and could cause some problems. So um, yeah, the game started out as you kind of would expect. Um, but as we've spoken about before, or as I've spoken about in other episodes, when we do get an early goal, it makes such a difference to our confidence for the remaining part of the game um, and really kind of just demoralizes our opponents. And that's exactly what happened uh, in the 13th minute or 14th minute, sorry, um, Trent Alexander-Arnold with yet another assist. Um, we can whack, we can eulogize about him as much as we want, but seeing assists from Trent Alexander-Arnold now has just become very normal, um, which is absolutely incredible to say. You know, he's a young right back. Um, and he's got, I think, 10 assists now this season. Um, you know, you would, you, you'd love that from your number 10 or your creative midfield player. And um, we've got that from our right back and we're only in January. So, but yeah, it was a fantastic cross. And um, Virgil van Dijk, they're rising uh, above the defenders um, and able to just bury the ball there past David De Gea. De Gea had absolutely no chance because the ball was one, so close to him, but two, uh, so fast. Um, it was a fantastic leap there from Virgil um, and De Gea had no chance. And um, yeah, Virgil van Dijk kind of completely outjumped and outmuscled Harry Maguire there. Obviously, Maguire took his crown as the most expensive defender, but um, there was only one best defender um, there and it was very obvious to see that, that was Virgil van Dijk and I guess the, I guess you kind of look at the comparison you go maybe 18 months ago you know Harry Maguire was playing at Leicester he was in top form you know those were the kind of goals he was scoring for England um, 
uh, in the World Cup particularly, but now it's kind of his confidence has gone a bit. He he looks like he's become worse of a player since he's gone to Manchester United. Uh, there's a funny clip of um, I think where Gini Wijnaldum just just absolutely breezes past him in the second half. But yeah, Maguire looks like he's um, just he lost it a little bit and, and kind of just fallen into what's going on at Manchester United now. But not too much about them. Uh, we don't want to take away from a fantastic leap and a header from from Virgil Van Dijk. And I think. Uh, yeah, I think we grew in confidence after that. Obviously, you know, once we have that goal and uh, we know that Manchester United are going to sit back, it kind of takes a little bit of pressure off us uh, and it puts the onus really on Manchester United to go, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to come out and attack us, which will obviously leave us more space. Um, and they were set up in a way that they could play five at the back or three at the back if they wanted to. But uh, we nearly did get the second goal. Well, we did get it, I think. So in my opinion, um, I think we did get it. So there was, there was a corner that came in and Mo Salah, um, actually very similar. It reminded The ball reminded me of um, the Origi goal against Everton where the ball came out and Mo Salah kind of mishit it and the ball went quite high in the air. Um, and Virgil van Dijk was you know, eyes, on the, eyes on the ball, looking up, no hand, hands not in anyone's face or anything like that, and jumped with David De Gea. David De Gea dropped the ball, and uh, the ball came out to Mane. Mane uh, just had a very nice little reverse ball into um, Bobby Firmino, who was able to curl it into the far corner. What a beautiful, it was a fantastic uh, finish. Um, but it was checked by VAR and was ruled out for a foul by Virgil van Dijk on um, David De Gea. Now, I guess... If you obviously the Manchester Manchester United players were livid, you would be just because it went against you. But I think you know if that happens for you, I think regardless of what team you are, I think that's you you feel hard done by. And the reason I say that is because the goalkeeper has the advantage of being able to use his arms. Like it's very very rare that penalties are given for a. Uh, uh, a keeper fouling a player unless it's like you know un- completely unnecessary or like taking him down if he's gone past him but David De Gea has got the advantage of being able to use his hands and reach up for the ball Virgil van Dijk only can reach up with it with his arm with his uh, head sorry um, and so then being able to claim that he is both fouled on top of that just feels a bit kind of uh, maybe this is one of the things with VR where it's it's the rule that we have the problem with not necessarily VAR but uh, yeah I don't think I don't think it was a foul uh, and then obviously we had the Wijnaldum goal again as well who was rolled out you know correctly for offside this time the referee actually on the in the stadium uh, flagged that one for offside so you know there's nothing much you can say about complain about that but it was great play anyway uh, it was interesting to see one of our midfielders break forward and actually Oxley chamberlain more in that number six position playing that ball into into Adam. so it was a great bit of play anyway but uh, just unfortunate that one Adam was just a touch offside and uh, in the second half uh, I think Klopp came out in his in his in his uh, post-match press conference and actually the first 10 minutes were in the second half were really really good for us and it, and it was kind of strange you know watching it it was like we were the only team that kind of wanted to come out and win the game uh, and seal it. And you wouldn't have thought, you know, we were the team that were leading, up, uh, you know, um, being 1-0 ahead. And it was very strange to see from Manchester United. Maybe they weren't just able to flick that switch and move from the way they were playing into a more attacking force. Uh, maybe they kind of only had one game plan. And um, I don't want to get too into it, but that kind of, for me, shows one of the many problems in Manchester United at the moment. You know, there are... You know, there are lots and lots of people and lots of pundits and fans who will talk about um, the failings of Manchester United through recruitment, through coaching or whatever. Um, but what was mainly apparent for me today watching that game was that they failed to have an additional game plan. They came to sit back and what take a draw. 
You know, uh, Martial was kind of almost playing up front on his own. There wasn't much support for him. Um, and they, you know, they went behind early and they just weren't able to switch it up. Uh, however, they did create a couple of chances um, in the second half. Most notably for me was the Martial one. It was great. It was a nice little bit of play with the 1-2. I think it was with Fred. Um, but yeah, you can tell, you know, he was kind of unsure about what to do when he was in that position. And he uh, definitely, I definitely should have got the ball on target and probably should have scored actually. Uh, but he blasted the ball, kind of sliced it almost, uh, leant back a bit and uh, the ball went way over the uh, the bar. And uh, they did kind of grow in confidence a little bit, Manchester United. And in many ways, I think this game was actually quite similar to the Spurs game, where obviously we got the first, we got the goal in the first half. Uh, we started the second half a bit dominant, but as the second half wore on, uh, the opposition did grow um, in confidence a little more. Uh, and that was showed by a couple of the chances that Manchester United make. Um, but the game was done and dusted, you know, finally um, in the final minute uh, as Manchester United had a corner, but the ball just fell tamely into Alisson's hands who uh, was able to wind up that sidewinder kick um, and free the ball to Mohamed Salah, obviously who was in his own half um, and so therefore not offside. Um, and then he was able to hold off Daniel James. You know, we've spoken a lot about and many people have spoken about Daniel James's pace and how good he's been this season. He has been relatively good, but... In that moment, last minute of the game, chasing back against Mo Salah, he was just nowhere to be seen. Um, Salah using his strength fabulously to uh, to hold him off and then just slot the ball past David De Gea. It was a fantastic little finish um, and uh, giving us the little abs show for his celebration. I was actually I was actually thinking when I was watching that, I was like, "There's very Cristiano Ronaldo." It's uh, you know a couple of years ago you see Cristiano Ronaldo you know flexing the abs or. Or whatever, and uh, you know, Mo Salah maybe feels him feels like uh, you know he wants a piece of that pie as well. But um, yeah, it was it was the icing on the cake. Uh, obviously, you know, we deserve to win. Jurgen Klopp even said in his post conference, you know, you look at the game, you look at the chances created, look at the play, and uh, chance cr- chances created, all of that good stuff. And there was only really going to be one winner in that game. Um, and yeah, it's actually as I mentioned earlier, it was quite similar to the Spurs game in that in that way. Uh, obviously, towards the end of the game, um, if you were watching the game, you you would have heard that the Liverpool fans are starting to sing or started to sing, uh, you know, we're going to win the league. Um, and I think the reason they did that is is because of the reason I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. And I think we'd earmarked the Christmas period and then the Tottenham and Manchester United games as, as kind of if we can get through this and still have that lead intact, you know, we've actually grown the lead. Um, then we would be in a very p- good position to win the league. And I think just some of that, some of that relief when Salah's goal went in uh, led us to led maybe some of the fans um, to start singing that. But obviously, Klopp said in his in his in his press conference as well. You know, he's not he can't dictate uh, to the fans what to sing. But you know, his stance is always you know they're there to work. Um, they are there to take every game by every game. Uh, and obviously, we've just got the Premier League now, which we can focus on. Um, but the Champions League will be starting up again soon. We've got the um, the next round of the FA Cup coming up uh, next weekend also. So, you know, the, the games will start coming thick and fast. Um, and I think once those come and we face, start facing some tougher teams, um, I think the focus will come back. But I think the players can't get carried away by that as well. I think obviously, you know, if you're if you're sitting in that Liverpool camp right now, you must even, you may be, must be starting to think, you know, well, have we done it? We've we done it already. But the job is not done. Uh, and I have faith in Klopp that he won't let the players um, think that it's done. And I think obviously the same is same as seems to be said for the crowd. You know, even though we're starting to sing, we're going to win the league. I think he can go two ways. He can go one way 
in that in the positive way in that all of the home games now for the rest of the season are going to be a great party atmosphere we're ready to celebrate or we're going to kind of get, the crowd are going to go a bit flat um because we're kind of going to just assume that we're going to beat teams uh, but i really do hope it is the former of those because as klopp said and this is so obvious um the crowd plays such an important part um for us and why we've been unbeaten at home for so long but next up for us is wolves on thursday um i think this has kind of got removed or something i'm not really sure why we're playing on a thursday i don't think there's a midweek uh, round of fixtures obviously there's a carabao cup uh, second legs as well uh, and obviously wolves played um the replay of the fa cup uh midweek last week and then obviously had the uh, very very entertaining game actually against southampton i watched the highlights of that game and uh you know, to come from 2-0 down, uh, I think they have the most points from losing positions this season in the Premier League. So, you know, they're a team that don't roll down, uh, roll over, sorry. And obviously when we played them at Anfield, it was a very close game. And that was without um, Adama Traore or Raul Jimenez playing for them. So uh, once those two players are back in, it will be a very different proposition. But we were resting players also when we played them. And uh, we got four days to rest up. And then we got the FA Cup at the weekend as well. So I'm sure the players will be raring to go. Um, and, I, you know, as is always the case, you, I fully expect a win away at Molyneux. Uh, but I don't, but I'm under no doubts that it will be a difficult game. It won't be, it won't be easy. Um, but nevertheless, I'm looking forward to it. Should be a great game. I'm hoping to see more goals uh, from Salah and the like. But uh, let me guys know what you thought of this game and what what your predictions are for the uh, Wolves game. But thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you tune in for the next one and I'll catch you on another episode.